I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Out of Spec Podcast. We are back again with another week full of stories, such as a brief retouch on the Lamborghini Countach, now that we know a thing or two about it. The 2023 Nissan Z has finally been relatively fully unveiled. The GR86 is making news. Genesis has a new GV60, interesting little thing there with uh, EV capabilities. So we'll get right into it. I am joined here by Dominic Yoni from the Inside EVs Forum podcast, that whole realm. Um, of course, we got Mike Breeling and Kyle Connor. Um, let's dive right in. We talked about the Lamborghini Countach last week, um, of course, right before all the details came out about it. So I wanted to really quickly touch on it just as a second little bit of getting your thoughts now that we know more about the photos and even the drivetrain and everything. Um, do you, any of you have thoughts? <laughs> yes, of course. I will go against the grain and say I absolutely love it. Most people, for some reason, are not liking this thing. Uh, I saw Matt Farah was tweeting, you know, he owns an original Countach. He said, this is a sham, total fake. You know, <laughs> you, you just shouldn't do this. It's basically an Aventador, but then with like a little bit weird styling. And what really sold me was our friends at Motor One ran a story where I think it was a little bit of CGI where they put on the original holy wheels and a nice wing. And I was like, oh, damn, that's the car. So you get a Countach, you already have money, of course, and you just mod it out to look better. And then you have your original Countach because we all know the original Countach didn't drive very well. And at least on a warm day, this shouldn't melt itself. So I think it's a great idea. Yeah, some of, some of the complaints are, especially in the rear end for some reason, I've heard multiple people say it's too simple but like if you see the original countage like if you dumb it down it's so boring like it it, it is a, a icon it's been on posters of millions of people's walls from the 70s but it's i don't know i i love the direction they took i'm kind of in the same boat i'm not really understanding all the criticism and it points again to the fact that literally anything any car manufacturer does it's going to have a lot of hate it's either not going to be pure enough or too pure. Like, well, you say that, but we'll talk <laughs> about it later in the show. The Nissan Z, I've not yeah. seen any hate about this car. It's been all love. <laughs> so maybe that's not so accurate. Uh, Dominic, what do you think about this? The Kuntak? Yeah. Uh, you know, I hate to agree with Matt Farah, but, uh, you know, when I, when I first saw it, I'm like, it looks like a hurricane with some a styling job or something. I mean, it looks a little better as you go around it, but um, not digging it, are you? Uh, I mean, actually, the rear looked not so bad. I didn't mind the rear. So you like the rear, the part that most people don't. Well, yeah. There you go. We all knew you were blind from the start. 
So, right. you know, this just proves it. <laughs> I mean, I haven't, I haven't taken like a super, super good look at it, you know, but uh, just like that was my first impression. I was like, oh, it looks like a contemporary Lamborghini. You know, it's, there's no getting around. You know, it looks very contemporary and like what they already make, but with some, you know, styling jibes that kind of, you know, give it that Kuntak feel a bit. I'm not sure if it went, it's just not all as crazy looking as the Kuntak was originally, you know, the, at the, at the time when the Kuntak, uh, Kuntash first came out, you know, it really kind of broke with tradition and it broke. A, this, this doesn't really do that so much. Yeah, I agree with that. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I actually agree with uh, Dominic. I like the back of the car more than the front um, from almost every photo you see of it. And it was the Motor One article where you, know, you mentioned where they put that spoiler on it and put those original wheels on that's when i really was like yeah that's a car that's worth two million dollars now <laughs> right yeah um, it looked good in that rendering jordan i wonder if you're going to be able to pull it up for our youtube audience if you go in the search function of the site you should be able to search kuntosh and then you'll see a, a a bunch of posts about the car you can find one that that'll show some renderings um yeah look you know the the interesting thing about this car is lamborghini has now moved to electric assist so they use a mild hybrid system i believe it's 34 kilowatts or something like this 34 horsepower one of the two and it actually um you know seems to be a pretty useful system. Now, of course, all the purists are up in arms. They're like, well, the current Aventador is like the last naturally aspirated V12 non-electrically assisted car. And look, to a point, I have to agree with them. I think that's the way a Lamborghini should be. That right there to our YouTube audience, <laughs> that is hot. Yep. I don't care what anyone says. That's amazing. I like the wing. The wing helps. Yep. The wing, the wing helps. helps a lot, yes. The way, and you know, you guys know I don't really care about car styling, but this is like, damn. Because to me, a good-looking car is like a boxy Land Rover, and you know, no one thinks that looks good. This looks amazing here, really cool. And maybe that's because I, I really think that the Countach was the best-looking Lamborghini of all time. Diablo, very controversial for a lot of people. I love it. That was on the poster when I was a, on, you know, when I was a kid. And so Diablo is more my generation, but I still think. Uh, Kuntosh was amazing, and I'm honestly glad they did this car. I like that there's controversy around it. I like that they're putting themselves in the forefront, and I honestly like this electric boost system. I'd I'd totally be into that. Yeah, I, I like was the huge... Aventador better. Aventador <laughs> SVJ Roadster. Oh, <laughs> oh I yeah, I I also loved the Diablo, and this actually reminds me maybe a bit more of the Diablo than the Kuntosh. Um, but the Countach, I mean, this doesn't really grasp the original mentality of the Countach, where it is like trying to spearhead something. Like I feel like if, if Lamborghini had gone full electric with this, they could have made that argument of we're trying to spearhead a new generation, which they aren't, because a lot of people have Too already expensive. done that. Too expensive. <laughs> and, yeah, you have this, to think about it. They have to milk everything they can out of this chassis, right? They're a small company. <laughs> And so that you have to just squeeze every last drop out of this chassis, get all the new customers, and then they'll move on to a new platform. But new platforms that are not just, it's not like we're talking about a new Nissan Sentra here. This has to be a supercar that's crazy fast and handle top speed. This is so much money of engineering and talent inside of Volkswagen Group that's already going through a ton of internal changes right now. Bugatti being sold off. It's going to be a hard task to say, we want to make another V12 in a brand new chassis to a company that's committed to electric future. So I think they're doing everything they can over there. They're holding on to every last drop of hope of the combustion supercar. And I think they made the right choice here personally. I know a lot of people disagree. Yeah. I mean, well, what's the, what's the sticker on this? Uh, a lot of numbers, but I don't think it's astronomical, right? Is it? I thought it was 3 million. Ooh. That's more than I didn't the, realize uh, it was that much. No, they were just, yeah, I think it was just over 2 million, but they've sold them all. They made like 119 of them, guaranteed. Okay, and they've all, they all sold that. All of them, yeah. Gone. That's the power so of Lamborghini right there. I mean, what, yeah, what, and I, I will guarantee everyone that bought them are the people who had them on their walls as a child and now have very successful careers and can now buy, you know, a lot of people who buy these also have the original. I'll probably make that case. And I bet it's going to increase the price of the original. Everyone's yeah. going to want the pairing who already doesn't have the pairing. Yeah. Or, or their uncles own the original because they were born <laughs> in, the, in the money. Yeah. 
Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to see a lot it, of white and red ones. Let's bring yes. it down a step in terms of price, and let's look at the uh, 2023 Nissan Z. Which is oh, just called is. the Z, right? It's not the 400 Z. It's I just think. the Z. Correct. Another Mark yeah. One article. There's Clint. Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> for the 400 does stands for the horsepower. So that was for the concept, and no one confirmed what the 400 was. But it went 350 two generations ago, then 370, and then the 400 Z concept. And now it's just the Z uh, or maybe it was called the Z proto, but everyone was calling it 400 Z. I don't know. Anyway, let me hit you with the headlines on this one. 400 horsepower, two spoolie turbos, six cylinders, manual transmission, rear wheel drive, and a very happy piece of meat in the driver's seat driving this thing. <laughs> I think this just solves all of the problems we've been wanting to be solved. We wanted a, we don't know the price, but let's just assume it's going to be reasonable. We wanted a reasonably priced, enthusiast-built, turbocharged, manual transmission, fun car to go rip around in. And guess what? Nissan has delivered. It's not all positive, though. It does look incredible. It looks just like the concept. I've been able to spend time with the concept. I'll be spending time on track with this car by the time this goes, this show goes live, basically the next day. Um, so I'll be ripping it around with some of their, uh, their drivers, and we'll be producing videos with it. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, looks amazing, but it's still kind of based on the old chassis, which we'll oh, no. see how well they can adapt it for. You know, it's a different suspension design. I'm sure different tires, uh, totally different drivetrain, but the chassis is not that involved. And that goes back to the Lamborghini conversation we had. How much can they stretch out of this chassis before they have to do a full platform redesign? And I think Nissan took the right approach here. I think everyone uses the older chassis as beater drift cars and they take the abuse really well. And, you know, maybe the engine's not going to sound that great. I bet it's the same 400 horsepower and like the Q60 Red Sport that we drove. It's not the most engaging engine, um, but it's going to be, you know, moddable, tunable, and I think a really important car for this generation. It's not like Nissan has tons of buckets of money to, you know, spend on a new chassis. But... Mm -hmm. That's what I was going to say. And they've right. redesigned their entire product lineup, like seemingly in the last 12 months. Like right. everything right. is just being redesigned. It, it was it was needed. Badly, badly yeah. needed. Yeah. Jordan, what you're a sports car motoring enthusiast. However, when we had the Supras, you wanted the slow one. So I do question your judgment. Um, what do you think about this? Um. So I've never really been a big Z fan. I actually liked the old ones, like 240, 300. Um, but the 350 was such an incredible departure. And I didn't really like the styling. I, it just was never my kind of car. I appreciated it. I liked seeing that people use them. I love seeing them at autocross events. Um, but this, this like fixes the 350 slash 370Z for me. Um, as far as styling and... I mean, that's the biggest thing. Like, I, I'm almost like a, a weird compliment to Kyle where I focus so much on styling. I literally hyper-focus on the design, the art around it. And I really like this. I mean, the Z Proto really caught my eye. It's it's like you can see the distinct the similarities to the 370Z. It's not a complete departure, and I think that's good. They played it safe, which is why it's not really getting any crazy hate they didn't try to go like dramatically back to like sharp angles like the older z cars they kept the curves but made it more i don't know they, they did grab a bit from the z cars just with the headlights and the taillights and i like that um and they that's honestly what i hated the taillights are the best part look at that back end yeah. you get a sloping roof i mean <laughs> this thing is badass and i love it in yellow in particular like the concept was shown and if you go a couple photos over you'll see one in yellow show and yeah. man this is going to be great we're going to be reporting on it make sure you stay tuned to our out of spec reviews channel where we're going to be able to, to hopefully get it a startup a rev a drive and a ride around the track and then of course we'll be uh hopefully among one of the first to get to experience the car and showcase what it's like when you do a little slidey stuff of course right jordan Oh, maybe you didn't hear me. We're going to do some drifting in it either way. Mike, yeah, what Mike. do you think about this? So I was never a big fan of the 350 or 370Z. I was never really 
I didn't think they looked that great. I've driven plenty of each generation. I did not like the way the gear change was. I didn't really ever like the automatic. I always thought they were uncomfortable. They just felt cheap inside. They looked cheap. So it's def- definitely not a car for me. I know that they have a huge following and you know, dynamically on a track, they have always generally been pretty competent. And then Nissan goes and announces this new Z that they're going to make. And I was a little skeptical. Um, to be truth be told, I was not expecting anything spectacular to come out of it. And then I saw the Z Proto concept and I said, wow, Nissan knocked it out of the park with their design. That car looks amazing. And to see that the real thing looks so close to the concept where a lot of manufacturers just tend to not do that anymore is fantastic. And then you see shots of the interior and the interior colors. I mean, that blue interior, that is all me. I love funky interior colors and I think it looks great. I hope that it drives great. I'm excited to watch uh, the the out of spec review on it. Um, And I believe they did say that it's going to start around 40,000, if not just back, just like all the other uh, 350 and 370Z, they all started generally around 37 or 35,000. It's kind of weird how they've done that. Um, so it's going to be super accessible. I hope that they sell a ton of them and that will allow Nissan to finally develop a new platform instead of the one they've been using for 25 years. So here's the question. Do you go through 400Z or whatever it's called, Z Proto, Z, Camaro SS, Mustang GT, Supra four-cylinder, I guess would be in this pricing category, or used Cayman? <laughs> Man, you just had to throw the Cayman in there, didn't you? I know. You had to do it. Well, uh, I think a lot of people are going to go for the used Porsche still. Yeah, sure. I wouldn't I mean, be surprised. That's, that's such a different kind of car almost. But like for front engine, rear wheel drive, like classic sports car. Three pedals. Um, yeah, with that's, that's the big thing that separates this from the Supra, I think. Uh, on paper, monetarily, this seems way less than the six-cylinder Supra, but the power this like this holds a candle to the six-cylinder Supra on paper. This is all on paper. Kyle's so six-cylinder show- Supra is what, 380 rated? This is 400. So on yeah. paper, this is faster. But as soon as you drive that six-cylinder Supra, it's way well, more than 380. That's what I I'm mean, so BMW curious. It's a great underrated horsepower motor all the time. Yes. <laughs> Well, their their job, their history is in making engines, Bavarian Motor Works. They make the best <laughs> modern engines by far, I think. I think they drive the best, they're the smoothest, best calibrated. They oh the inline six, the B fifty eight, I think is a legendary engine that will go down in the same way a two JZ has gone down in the past. That thing just screams when you get on it. It's so sweet. And then you get the little burbles and not the crazy pops, but just they're so nice. Just I was enough. sitting yeah. at a restaurant the other day and an X3 M40i went by in presumably <laughs> sport plus mode. And it just went pop, 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 pop. And then he got on the throttle. I was like, oh, that's nice. And just stock exhaust. <laughs> and man, that is a great engine. So we're going to have to put that head to head. We will, of course, do the Supra versus Z. The manual transmission makes the Supra a non-starter for me, and it makes this very intriguing. This is a true JDM sports car designed, engineered, focused from Japan, whereas the Supra is really a Z4. It's a very German car. Um, so this is probably the only true Japanese sports car that you can buy with a manual that's uh, turbocharged because GR86 isn't. Tur- turbocharged is that accurate that's accurate. with a turbocharger right. would be accurate yeah right that's yeah. why i added it in because i caught myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i was gonna say there is a miata the miata man <laughs> just have oh, yeah. Horsepower. but yeah that, yeah that's or a third almost uh <laughs> but yeah this is i don't first of all this yellow color is the one i would choose for sure um i so this the supras i mean i love the four cylinder because i felt like it was usable power and i would have loved it as a manual the six cylinder i loved but it almost felt more manageable because of the automatic which is an incredible automatic by the way um so i i would be so curious to drive this with all of its power like of the six cylinder supra but with a manual i think it'd be fun i mean the gt350 mustang with a manual is fun but it's yeah, it's just different. I wonder if I wonder if the manual would get in your way at a track, or if 
you don't think so. No, the point is not lap times. The point is driving fun and enthusiasm right. behind the wheel. Maximum and, <laughs> you know, that's the point of a manual transmission is for fun. And a good driver, it's going to be not necessarily taking away from the experience or making it slower. It's going to be making them more engaged and more fun and more giggles. So yep. when you see our track review, you know, I'll be clutch kicking it in the corners and sending it <laughs> everywhere. And I can't wait. So excited. I really genuinely um, do fear that with the manual transmission going away, I will also miss the love of driving new cars. I will be stuck in this like early to mid 2000s world where I have to have <laughs> this enthusiast mobile in the garage to, you know, share what I love about cars. And then, you know, doing our job reporting on cars every day, focusing on electric mobility much of the time. You know, does this really pique my passion? The answer is no. You know, so is it just going to feel like work? I don't know. This is what I live for is to drive stuff like this, not the crazy hyper cars. I could care less. There's a McLaren than the press fleet. I would take this over that all day long. The manual disappear and then Kyle will go into accounting or something. He's over. The Kyle will <laughs> literally go into mental craziness, but that's okay. I can always buy a used one. So that's the benefit. Yeah. What's up? They're all, they're all just going to get more expensive now. <laughs> well, if, if 40,000 is still too much for you, we have the GR86 now making headlines because all the embargoes have dropped for those videos. Um, people basically got to get some track time, got experience behind the wheel, both the automatic and it is, again, a car with a manual, which is exciting. Um, I don't. I want to get you guys' thoughts on this. Uh, I guess I can start because I've been so polarized back and forth. Same with the Supra, actually. When Toyota had the concept back in like 2015, 14 whatever that was i loved it and the super came out was unveiled i didn't really love the looks um i was underwhelmed and then seeing it in person and driving it i completely changed my mind i think this is going to be the same way seeing the photos of this car the renderings of the 86 it doesn't really grab my attention it almost seems like muted in some ways like they went too conservative on it but i think once i see it in person which is what a lot of people have said I will probably like it a lot more. It looks like a Honda Civic Coupe in the back. Yep. Those taillights <laughs> for sure. And I mean, do looks really matter? Isn't this a car all about driving and enthusiast motoring rather than looks, looks matter? Looks matter when, with cars. Looks matter? Looks sure. matter for me. Oh. I, I have a tremendous, probably way too much or interest in looks. Like I'll buy a, a super gorgeous car if it drives terribly and just enjoy driving it around because people are looking at it but i think wow. that's that's the reason for this car is it the you know the frs 86 brz was such a driver's car but they had the issue with the torque dip which mostly came from journalists most owners i know don't care at all um but journalists who are trained to look for these things actually notice it and there was genuinely if you look at the torque curve a torque dip kind of early on and later on even in the torque curve versus this one seems to have fixed that and also added more power, slightly more displacement. And I, I think they have done a really good job with it again on paper, but also based on what some people have been saying on their video reviews. Um, but I, I can't wait to get my hands on this because it, it's kind of a Miata, but a little bigger and probably better on track. It just has a bit more power it's not um, and not a convertible, which makes it legal with all tracks, unlike the Miata. Um, you have to do roll bar and stuff on the Miata versus this is probably fine for most tracks. Uh, but I, I like it. The interior doesn't really... I don't care about the interior. I actually don't like it that much. Well, what Toyota has a good interior? None of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's know. true. Even a I mean, limited highlighter has Toyota. a terrible interior. Yeah, they look great on the outside, I think. I think some of them look good. Some of them look really funky. But then you get on the inside, and it's Sienna. just like buttons exploded in all the wrong places um, <laughs> with every Toyota. There's no cohesiveness. Mike, what didn't you have a car? What was it? We were driving one of your cars back in the day, years ago, that had like this mid-range torque dip. What was it? It was my, I had a 2016 WRX. Oh, that's uh, right. Not the SDI, but it was WRX. It's the two liter turbo. It's the first, uh, well, second year of that motor. And I remember we were on Tail of the Dragon, which is you no know, a road out in uh, Western North Carolina, Eastern Tennessee. And you would get up to about like 4,400 RPM to about 
48, 4900 RPM, and the power just fell off. It's like the turbo just stopped spooling. And it then was it was so just weird. nothing. The worst the weirdest calibration ever. Yeah. And that's really what bad. I that's what I felt driving just the BRZ or FRS, the originals was the same top end power dull. Like you you feel like you're surging and then it was just someone poured fire on the flame and that was it. So can I ask you, since we're talking about cars and we'll just pause sort of our news coverage for a second, um, how's your e-tron doing? Because you have an e-tron, I guess 55 would be the name, the, the code name, the big battery, all-wheel drive, only available in the U.S. Because there's also a new e-tron I kind of want to talk about. But I want to, what's it like driving your e-tron today, your car? I mean, it's easy. I mean, it's an electric car. Of course, it's easy. You get in, you Turn on, you hit the power button in this car that still has a power button. It's not like a Tesla, you put your foot on the brake or anything like that, or a Polestar. Put it in gear on the weird, kind of a funky shifter and just drive. And it's comfortable. It is more than fast enough, but I don't have any exceeding desire to drive my e-tron fast. I just like cruising around, relaxing in my little cocoon. I can't hear anything on the outside. And I just drive to work. I get to work. I put it in park. And then before I go to lunch or before I go home, I precondition the cabin and get in it and just drive. I mean, it's basically a, it's a utensil to, for me. That yeah, neutron. it's a very cushy one. Yeah, it is very cushy. The air suspension is spot on, even in efficiency <laughs> mode, slammed to the ground, which is basically how I drive it all the time because it just looks yep. better. It, you can only actually fully lower the car in efficiency mode. Dynamic goes yep. to setting two, doesn't it? Yeah, dynamic does raise it up one. Yeah, man, that car just looks so good. I saw one the other day. You have to get it in white. I just think it white. Yeah, mine's pearl white. Yep, just looks amazing. You get, I don't know. I still don't like your wheels. I know you like your wheels, but I think you need the big <laughs> prestige wheels. And, um, you know, even better than your e-tron, though, is the new e-tron S. It's not new for the world. It's been a three-motor, spicy version of mm -hmm. e-tron in Europe, our forbidden fruit, if you will. And it's finally coming to the U.S. I'm so excited about it. Torque vectoring, a drifting mode in an Audi family SUV just seems insane to me. Um, but since you understand the character of your e-tron, is it worth the extra money? It's 90 grand. By the time you start looking at this car, you know, if you're going to get a sporty e-tron, do you think you just get an e-tron GT? So, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a really good point. So you can get a loaded prestige model 55 e-tron, which is going to be the same money as the S. And I'm sure the S will probably end up being more expensive. I don't know if they're going to have trim levels on it yet or not. They will. They'll have um, a regular or like the whatever the mid spec and then the prestige oh, it's premium like five plus. grand. Premium Plus and Prestige, it's 84.9 and then 89.9, I think. Oh, okay. So it's basically, it's almost the same money as a Prestige base They're going to have just... to drop the price of the non-S ones, I think. Uh, I don't Who knows? I mean, they lease out so well. Some, <laughs> yeah. before the At least before the market got crazy, they leased out really well. But I just don't know if you need a 70 or 7,000 pound drift machine. <laughs> <laughs> well, does anyone and, really? I mean, it seems pretty cool, doesn't it? <laughs> I just can imagine the tire expense. But oh I, I've never felt the need for that this type of car. Like any kind of hot SUV is has always seemed kind of silly, in my opinion. Like, oh, let me get the big GLS 63 AMG. <laughs> Which okay. you won't be able to get anymore because I mean, no more V8s. Yep. I mean, the, the Lamborghini Urus is like the best car they make, isn't it? Actually, no. it is. Yeah, <laughs> that's just a Cayenne with a tune. It looks better than Cayenne. Oh I no, do. it's so showy. I don't like the way it looks at all. I mean, you just know that the person rolling up is a complete asshat when they get out of an Urus. It's like how to make me <laughs> never want to talk to you. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe I, people don't want me to talk to them. They'll just buy Uruses everywhere. But uh, <laughs> all of my neighbors now will be driving Uruses. <laughs> but no, so so you think I'm in agreement with you, Mike, I don't think it's worth to get it to, to get the S it's maybe going to be technically possible on paper and very fast and interesting. And, but I think you just get the comfortable one. The e-tron so good at being comfortable. 
I mean, yeah. I think if you're driving on a lot of secondary roads, having that torque vectoring thing is going to be nice. It's going to make it makes driving just more enjoyable. Things having the things like kind of flow around the turns. And you've driven, have you driven torque vectoring, Kyle? Oh yeah, plenty of times. Okay. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's cool. It's magical when you're on the limit. If you're just cruising around, though, you really don't feel it. If I'm honest, in most cars. I mean, is that a similar argument to like the new Model S, like? plaid takes it to the next level but if you just get the long range one you save a ton of money you still get the interior that everyone's talking about you just don't have the tiny little plaid badge on the back or the excessive acceleration I mean, yeah but that crazy. tiny little plaid bag badge makes you feel not so <laughs> tiny if you know what i mean so it's uh, the, just watch doug demiro's review about 34 minutes in yeah oh, the review of all <laughs> reviews i really enjoyed it dominic did you see his review of the i, did. I watched the whole thing yeah. what did you yeah, think i just did too. <laughs> I, I thought it was a good review i thought uh it was and it was great that he you know he nailed it for the first time like on video like that because the reaction yep. was like like priceless you know, it's like, well it's so funny because he finished the review saying i completely forgot to talk about self-driving i was just so caught up in the acceleration <laughs> right i mean yeah we don't really hear about self-driving anyway yeah. there's you know yeah plenty of really other people commenting on the uh driver assistance <laughs> functions of the tesla but i would i would take the long range over, over the plaid just because it's you know almost as much car it's like look looks almost the same i guess the plaid he was saying it looks like a little wider or something Mm, yeah, they, they, a really slight, they before, did a but... slight fender flare if you compare them side yeah. by side. Okay, but it's very subtle. Right, but for the for the extra cash, well, yeah, I could I can't really justify it personally, but <laughs> I think you get a, a dual motor, long range, and then a race car for the weekend. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, for that price gap. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you so, could buy a lot of Porsche race car for that money. Yeah. Or so I came in for sure. When we saw the four or the Z. I, it made me think again of the Amira because that's also getting a six cylinder with a manual. I'd be curious. I know they're not in the same price bracket and probably not the same market, but I would be curious to see how those are. I know Lotus is just a whole separate league, but it's, I don't know. Well, we'll the, see. The, Maybe the Nissan will surprise us. Everything Nissan's been doing has been surprising us. Yeah. Uh, they're Rogue, amazing. Sentra, amazing. Pathfinder, pretty good. Frontier blows away any <laughs> mid-sized truck, including Tacoma. I mean, they are just absolutely tearing up the market right now, as they need to do to survive. And hopefully the Z is, you know, that's an indication that this car will be good. Is it going to be as sharp as an Amira? Well, probably not. And Amira looks cooler, and it's Maybe. a Lotus. And, but, but short supply. Same horsepower, yeah. though. Uh, yeah. Is the Amira 400 horsepower with the six-cylinder? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And forced induction. I'd rather have a supercharger all day long anyway. So. I'd be curious. <laughs> I, but, yeah, the JDM lover in me is so for the Z. But, yeah, Nissan has really impressed me. I mean, the, the Pathfinder just had a little more power. That would be up there with the frontier for me. I think but, all of our power things, like if you just drive them at sea level, they're yeah. fine. I think <laughs> we are just on that cusp on whatever Nissan's designing into their cars, where they just are a bit too slower. We are, but at sea yeah. level, they're fine. That's the yeah. CBT. Well, yeah, no CBT in Frontier or Pathfinder, though. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> really. So, yeah, I mean, I think. You know, uh, I also wanted to mention while we're sort of taking a break from news, my mom sold her Model Y and uh, yes. just on a whim. They were just driving around in their Tesla going out to lunch or something. And they pulled into the <laughs> Porsche dealer and my mom's like, you know, I used to have a Macan. Mike, you remember her Macan spec. Oh, right? I do. It was a fantastic spec. Great yeah. spec. Yes. Yeah, really had everything torque vectoring, all the Porsche yep. acronyms, Porsche beverage handling <laughs> system, or uh, yeah, just anything you can imagine had it. Awesome car. And so she decided she wanted another Macan, somehow like a base four cylinder one piqued her interest. I don't know. Um, she doesn't drive fast and she claims the four cylinders just as peppy. So that's fine. And they she made $6,000 trading in her Model Y. And she's so much happier in the Macan. Uh, and so it just goes to show that, you know, a lot of people think once you have a Tesla, you can't drive anything else. Well, here's just a general person who drives from A to B, doesn't really think about their car, but just wants a heated steering wheel and a really comfortable, nice premium looking and feeling vehicle. And, uh, yeah, she much prefers the Porsche and she saved money. So that worked out well. <laughs> does does Macron have massaging sheet, seats? 
No, I don't think, I think she has had cars with massaging seats and she did like them. And you can spec massage in the Macan, I believe. I don't know if Ben was here to be able to tell us. I'm not sure if that's a Macan or Cayenne step up ability, but. But I was specking out new Macans and stuff. So turbo is gone from Macan range. So base is really pretty much the same. And then for 2022, S is now like an older GTS. And now the GTS is the turbo version and turbo is completely gone, which I think is fair because personally, I think Macan is the worst driving Porsche in the lineup. Not to say it's bad. I just would personally would have a new Cayenne over a new Macan. And I think it actually drives better. Um, And so, yeah, my mom just wanted to say she's very happy with her new blue Porsche uh, cruising the streets of Florida right now. And the Model Y is sitting at an auction house in Florida with like zero range. Yeah, 12 miles of range sitting at the auction. That poor battery. They need to put something in that. They can't. Oh. Yeah, well, I told in. my dad when they traded in, I'm like, Dad, just go supercharge it up to like 70%. Yeah. And yeah. Then let them have it. it and they have, yeah. And he's like, Oh, well, they, they'll do it. He, they said they'll just bring it over to the charger. <laughs> Meanwhile, we get all the like charge battery now. It's going to fail notifications on our phone. So poor car. Well, going back real quick to your mom's Model Y there. So the used market on Model 3, Model Y is incredibly frustrating <laughs> to look at <laughs> basically if you look at if you have access to look at auction data they're all selling for more than or at least five to four grand more than sticker or then you could just go out and order a new one basically right. minus full self-driving because full no one knows how to value that because it's not a feature it yet translates zero to the used market but it is crazy and then people are paying like we're i know i've seen used model threes 19s 18s selling long ranges selling for almost the same price as a new one with 30 40 000 miles on them not to mention you, you get, you get a 21 mine, with ninety thousand miles on it now, that's if you're sell your car that's the time to sell it man yeah well Probably. okay let's let me just paint the picture here this is a a enthusiast owned well cared for garage kept high mileage but you know easy miles 90,000 mile tesla model 3 performance perfect specifications showstopper it is midnight silver white seats uh PPF, new, no. brand new brakes brand it's new wheels. brakes brand new control arms i'd put the stock wheels back <laughs> on and uh what, what do you think i can get for that mike you think it's a you think it's a forty-five thousand dollar piece you know, I don't, I know like Ben has a model three performance and I know yeah. that car is worth like low fifties, which is like more than he, more than his was new. Cause it was a stealth performance. Yeah. So your car's the same year and just has you no know, triple the miles on it or something crazy. Right. Yeah. But miles don't seem to affect value as much on a Tesla as they do on a traditional ice motor. I mean, obviously there's a lot less maintenance and you put new control arms in it. So that's fine. Yeah, it's never been in for maintenance until now. Behind me, it's all apart. I mean, it's probably worth in the low 40s, I would imagine. I think there's a car deal brewing here. I'm getting bored of it. I really am. I don't like to drive it anymore. I am ready for something new, and we we got to make it happen. I mean, there's so many alternatives on the market now compared to when you had bought it. I'd get a Taycan Cross Turismo. Yeah, I mean... Porsche I just for order one. a four. I'd get a base Audi. cross Turismo with all the performance options, and I'd get Neptune blue with white seats. Ooh. Would you get rear steering? Yes. Okay. I would Good need man. rear steering on the Taycan. I would need Inno Drive, rear steer. Um, I don't really care about the power. An EV to me doesn't really need to be crazy fast. Plus, I get to test drive all the latest stuff, so that's fine. Um, need something I can put the dogs in, of course. And I would just get, you know, premium. I'd want the massage cooled seats, of course. I think I'd skip the passenger display, even though I think it's kind of cool. Waste of money. Get the best headlights. I agree. And big wheels. And that's it. Best headlights. The best headlights that you can't use in America. Got it. I know. That's the thing. But we got to find someone. So that, okay, that's interesting. You can spec like laser lights on Audis and the better headlights in Porsche, but your light output is identical to the base one. You need to literally have someone code your car 
Which remember, Mike, on my M3, I did that. Oh, How amazing that was! I remember, yeah, driving down the highway, and it would highlight the road signs on the side with the high beams on. You could yeah. see it move. It was incredible. It was the first time I've ever experienced like that matrix style headlight, and I was blown away. And that should be available here. There's no. It's it's more safe to have so that you, light than it is our antiquated laws that we have in place. So you can code cars to get better light performance. Yeah, so basically if you have the hardware in there, you just unlock the Euro version. Mm-hmm. So you just put a left-hand drive Euro Country's profile in the car and set it back to miles per hour. It's good to go. So I was only I was only aware of that with like the BMW i3. They code yep. those to get the uh, every BMW the can easily be coded. To kick in earlier so it doesn't run out of power when you're going down the highway. Yeah, I did that <laughs> with our fuel. Yep, did that with ours. Yep. Uh, but Volkswagen Audi Group products can be coded too. Mercedes is pretty hard to code because I have some weird things with my Sprinter that I was trying to find <laughs> someone to, and some dude in India was like, oh, I got this for you. I'm like, I don't really know if I want you connecting to my car if you like think you can do this. So, uh, <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Where's well, yeah. your sense of adventure? Mike make, make a good video bricking my Sprinter. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that would be expensive. And there's like a four month wait at any Mercedes dealer to get that thing serviced right now because of all the van recalls for the emissions stuff on this <laughs> engine. So there's like, it would be next year before I could drive it again. Um, yeah, so no, all, all pretty good stuff going on here. I think if, if I need to look into making this Model 3 deal happen, I kind of am looking for something new. Um, you know, having a car for two years for me is a really long time. Uh, Mike can't keep a car more than a week, it seems. And so uh, <laughs> I struggle you know, I, for the six month mark usually. Yeah. Yeah. Press cars help sort of lull this down. Oh, a I little think bit. they would. Yeah. Yeah. So like I have a Polestar two this week, which will be really nice to spend some time with. I and, love uh, that car. Do you, really? so would you go Polestar two or XC 40? Uh, Polestar two. I just want really? the bigger 11 inch Google touchscreen in it. And I just like the full glass roof. I know the Pulse, the XC40 gets that, but I like the Polestar. I think it looks better than the XC40. It feels more special. 100%. Uh, yeah, but uh, Dominic, you were saying owners were having some issues with this platform. Yeah, I mean, I'll, there's a lot, of, a lot of little glitchy things with the electronics. Mm-hmm. Sometimes some lights don't work. It was all like really kind of weird glitchy stuff, you know, and I'm not even sure how much some updates will, will work them out. I mean, maybe some would go away, but if you go in like the owners groups on, on Facebook or, or wherever, yeah. you're going to find a lot of grumbling about like glitchy software, which is not ideal for a new car, new car company, new car brand. I mean, it, they, I they think have a great it, styling, you know, it kind of makes up, up for a lot, but you know, cars have to be, you know, they have to work. And then a yeah. lot of people have, you know, cars or XC, XC40, I think they're actually there are more complaints I've saw about the XC40 than, than Polestar 2. But. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The XC40, yeah, I see complaints. I'm in a couple, or at least one of those groups on Facebook, because I was thinking about buying one before the e-tron, and there is a lot of complaints. A lot of it is kind of niggly, but most of it seems to be just glitches, like Dominic was saying. Nothing that's really impacted the drivability of the car. It's just the little stuff that makes it nice to live with every day is is frustrating yeah and you know so ah that's what bugs me about this stuff so many ev automakers are like we're going to be fully electric like volvo for example right Mm -hmm. meanwhile their first electric car is now and they can't even get it right so they're like we're we've committed and they're like can't even get one car to work well like i this is crazy to me it's almost like they have to go through this like trial by fire like because i don't know Every automaker is like that. I mean, Ford had their issues, even with Mustang Mach-E a little bit, somewhat. But the original, but the first, their first uh, electric, what was that? The, the Focus Electric. The Focus Electric. I mean, that was like a contract job, and like somebody, you know, had a subcontractor, <laughs> you know, design and put it together and and make it. I think for them, and yeah, I mean, some people had good luck with them, but they were still like a very compromised vehicle. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot, a lot of birthing uh, birthing pains with new electric vehicles. Well, uh, Jordan queued up this story right on time. Polestar is going down market uh, by offering a two-wheel drive version, and it's front-wheel drive. 
by the way. Uh, by down market, he means front wheel drive. <laughs> yeah, oh, right. 100%. So, like, uh, there was a whole bunch of confusion over this on Twitter. Everyone's like, well, isn't it better in the snow? And, no. you know, what's wrong with front wheel drive? <laughs> and, like, I'm wrong because somehow front wheel drive is acceptable on a chassis that already has an accommodation for a rear drive unit. No, this is terrible. It's really bad. I don't know how else to explain this. Um, you know, driving dynamics are an important part of any car, regardless of, of uh, you know, if it's an enthusiast vehicle or not. So I thought this would have been an opportunity for Polestar to differentiate their brand identity as a performance brand identity up until this very point uh, to have a rear biased rear wheel drive type vehicle front wheel drive evs suffer from torque steer from tires having trouble gripping um you know they just make so much torque so quickly you drive any nero ev any kona ev it's super dangerous when it's wet outside truthfully and um i don't know we'll have to see how it's implemented here i don't want to say it's going to just spin the tires everywhere maybe magically it won't to me um not super interested in the front wheel drive version but it does save a considerable cost and it's going to really be a solid entry point of right around that low forty thousand dollar range before credits uh in the front wheel drive base version there's a lot of options and packages and to get adaptive cruise control you're going to need the option of like a four, four or five thousand dollar yeah. package that's crazy. That should be standard on this car. It I don't know. You know yeah. That's stupid. Um, but the dual motor version's cool. And if you option up another package, you'll get a heat pump, which will lead to a little bit better efficiency, especially in cold weather, which it sounds like this yeah. really needs. Uh, also, I haven't tested the current charging profiles. I will this weekend, of course. But when this car first came out a year ago, by the way, it's been a full year since this car has been in the U.S., um, the cars basically would not charge unless the batteries were warm. They were horribly slow in the cold weather charging tests. So uh, I remember XC40 Recharge had a rep driving around the East Coast and she was getting like 20 or 25 kilowatts consistently on like a 60 degree day. I'm like, oh my God, like just drive that thing, yo-yo it down the street and plug it in <laughs> and then it shot right up. So yeah, this is an interesting car. I really don't think it's holistically thought through. It's built on uh, Volvo CMA, Compact Mo mm -hmm. Modular Architecture Chassis, which is designed to accommodate a full combustion gas or diesel engine, a mild hybrid system, a plug-in hybrid system, and full battery electric, which is just too much for a chassis to be able yeah. to do, I think. And it's Jack not optimized trades. for anything. Right. Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's That's great. And their and, engineers are really dumb for putting a front motor in it. Everyone will disagree with me on Twitter, I guess, but they're dumb. They're wrong. Well, yeah, yeah totally I mean, you touched on it. I mean, the reason I think the bigger reason why Polestar should have made this car rear wheel drive is to just differentiate themselves from their parent company. I mean, you're marking yourself as a performance brand, as you mentioned. What is performance spec about a front wheel drive sedan? I mean, if you had a big motor sitting, you know, if you had a big motor sitting over the front wheels, and you could get more traction, that'd be great. But with a flat battery, the the weight's distributed evenly. So when you when you hit the accelerator, the weight's shifting to the back. So the traction, the best traction, is on the rear wheels. So that's that's yeah. where it should be getting the power. Yeah, that's that's the snow argument. People say, oh, you need front wheel drive in the snow. Well, yeah, no, yes, if it's an ice, if you have an engine above those front wheels, right. otherwise you're having the opposite effect. So yeah, it's like a 911 rear wheel drive is amazing in the snow. People like oh, yeah. daily drive GT3s on studded tires I mean, in Germany <laughs> because you have the rear motor over the rear wheels. Right. Because but, but tires are tires are just as important, if not more important. I mean, yeah. So I the first day I got my my driver's license, I was driving my family to church. The first time the big we had a 77 in Canada. Plymouth, in Canada, 77 Plymouth <laughs> Fury. So it was snowing. Yes. It was it's a huge car, and uh, there was like five five of us in it. So yeah, the first turn, car goes sideways, of course, and uh, and it was like maybe three hundred yards from the house. So yeah, we're sideways, but I, I grew up driving some wheels. You know, it's, it was like nothing, and that, that was it. You know, it's like it's not even it's not even drama. It's like the smallest little bit of things. But you got good snow tires. You know, the correct. You get out of that, and you're on. You're you're fine. Yeah, tires definitely. I mean, Kat and I both grew up in uh, Connecticut, and snow tires up there were 
definitely made the biggest difference on any car. I've known plenty of people who've driven rear-wheel drive cars year-round because they just swap out their set of tires, which now that I lived in the South, I mean, most people don't need two sets of tires on their car to begin with. Because uh, if it snows, nothing's open anyway. But exactly, tires make the biggest difference. But either way, Polestar messed it up. Hopefully on their full design new platform car, they uh, they fix it. We'll find yeah, out. Polestar 3, and they also have the Precept. They're doing good things. I'm going to a Polestar yeah. space on Friday. Um, we're going to you know, see how the purchase experience goes. I really have high hopes, but this front wheel drive thing just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. They had a great opportunity to differentiate the brand and it shows the brand's future is not in the same direction as when Volvo acquired it, which was to become the performance tuner upgrade of the Volvo vehicles. So yeah, to me, it's a little bit disappointing. I hate to say it. And, um, but that does, that shouldn't take away from the dual motor all wheel drive variants. Those are going to be pretty cool. Yeah, those are great. Oh, yeah. Plus they all they all look still really look they look really great. I yep, I agree. Styling, especially performance it. pack ones with the Oline suspension, <laughs> the, the brakes on gold and the seat belts. Oh, I love the gold seat belts. Gold seat belts. Yeah. I saw a V60 Polestar on my way into work this oh, morning, oh, and I was car. like, oh, I know it's not full electric, but at the top of the the list. <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, if, if you know, it's basically a Tycon half off for me, and it kind of does the same thing. And, like, oh, I just love that car oh. more than most. My friend here in town has, well, I, I'm friends with him because of his V60 Polestar, of course. He has a really <laughs> nice white one, and Ooh, uh, yeah, he yeah. just rips it everywhere. It's awesome. Well, I wanted to talk about the Genesis GV60, which is honestly pretty new news as of right now, as of the recording. Um, but, what piqued my interest too was uh, I don't know Kyle how how you felt about the G80 we had as a press car, but that was one of Loved the most it. surprising we had. Like I went into it literally not that excited. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna get this over with, and then I couldn't stop driving it. And it wasn't even the big engine. Like it was just such a nice place to be. It was comfortable, and I thought it looked fantastic. Um, this GV60 is somewhat a departure in the looks i mean i see the genesis branding they have this can same, you pull up a picture of it because i haven't seen yeah. it yet they, they have the same oh, really? dual headlights oh and everything God. um so i i see the similarities but it also looks slightly weird to me like i, I so don't this know. is the same thing as a as a kia ev6 and ionic 5 just for same, genesis yep. right i think it looks like a here. melted ev6 <laughs> so let's go through the specs really quick <laughs> so, dominic can you take us through the highlights of the ev powertrain stuff before we judge styling <laughs> well if i knew them off the top of my head the, the thing that really sticks up for me for for this is so I'm, I'm thinking it's like generally like a 300 mile car and with really super fast charging like it's like an 18 minutes uh, to 80 percent kind of charging so it's it's getting close to, to gas cars when you're driving it you know yeah but it's it's 800 volt system architecture right, right, from hyundai's right. of the past it's you know we know they're crazy efficient cars uh for being electric we know it's going to have adequate more than adequate acceleration i'm sure but this car or at least genesis to this past has not been a performance brand it's been a complete departure from anything performance related uh it's been more about just giving you a luxury and premium feel for not so much the luxury and premium price here though. This is way too trendy to follow with Genesis's design language. I think those stick on mirror things. Those aren't coming to the U S obviously we'll have nope. normal mirrors. Those are nope. really freaking ugly. I hate to say that. that the screen, look at the, look, so we're looking at the interior screen inside. Yeah. Look at those side view screens, man. They're not integrated. They're just no, like that's the what I'm saying. It's yeah, so but... bad. Yeah, I don't get the trend of that. Like, I think that's awful to have a camera. Like, you can't move it. You can't. I mean, you're stuck well, looking at range, that one. It's for arrow. Right. Yeah. It's, it's I, aerodynamic. I haven't tried it myself. I've, I've heard actually good things about them, but it's, it's hard to get over the, around the idea of, you know, if, if you've driven with like actual mirrors all your life and, yeah. and really use them, it's kind of. It is a good looking two spoke steering wheel. I'll give it that. That's hard to do. Yeah, I, I love the other than the color. screens on the side, other than the mirror screens, I actually love the interior. I love the interior of the Genesis G80, um, GV80. Like they're they're all doing really good interiors lately. Uh, the infotainment was awesome. It all worked. Sound system was banging, wasn't it? Yeah, the sound system <laughs> by Lexicon was phenomenal. So I, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what this is like in person. I think it's going to be a very well built interior. Like Kyle said, it's. 
I, I asked my wife, CJ, when we got in the G80, when I picked it up from Kyle's house, I said, how much do you think this is? And she was like, 85. And it was like, what, it was 50? so cheap. It was like yeah. 40 something, wasn't it? It was just, yeah, like high 40s, low 50s. Yeah, I think it was back in 50. <laughs> Damn, I, I was I so impressed. Yeah, yeah the, the value for money on that car. One of my neighbors just got a GV80 and the presence of that thing oh. coming down the road. <laughs> just literally, I passed it on my way to my house. Today. I'm like, whoa, like, let me move my smart car out of the way, sir. I am so sorry for being near you. Yeah. Uh, pretty amazing looking car and very reasonably priced. Here's though, I think it's just as ugly as the EV6. And, <laughs> you know, and why ugly. would you make a Genesis bright yellow? This it's is it brown. Let's look at the profile for a second. Oh, I should point out too, there's a there's a boost button on the steering wheel. So I'm, I'm suspecting that it's going to have like probably higher performance than the Ionic 5 out of the gate. And Yeah, but maybe not as much as EV6. Yeah, EV6 is supposed to be pretty hot, yeah. But I'm yeah, so that is terrible. It looks like a right? jelly bean. <laughs> like what is going yeah. on? I like I like the like a pillar forward maybe, but yeah, I could it, get on board with that. I, I yeah. don't mind. I like the, the the back glass, but I don't understand the little like it looks like a Tesla yeah. T almost cut out. And they uh, didn't pillar. do the side um the turn signals on the new Genesis G eighty, like are the same dual element. I don't it's just an interesting thing on the side and they didn't do that here. Um well, and remember, Genesis had their electric design concept recently. We spoke about it on the Inside EVs podcast, a amazing podcast that blows this one out of the water every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 9.30 a.m. Eastern. Sometimes I get the times mixed up and I don't make it. Uh, <laughs> that car, for being a concept, which I really don't place too much value on, looked incredible. And that was supposed to be the design language of Genesis moving forward, having these very tactile touch points and these premium blending of natural materials but with modern design I, this just looks like a like a spaceship that was designed by teenagers that's bright yellow right the inside does I mean, not match the outside to me yeah no, i don't think it matches the genesis brand at all there's yeah. some elements of the back that i kind of like but then none of it comes together at all it's yeah it's very it's, it's very frustrating overall. But aside from the design, you can buy an Ionic 5, which looks amazing because it's like super right. retro 1980s. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, the powertrain is going to be pretty much second to none. It's going to charge like a monster and you're going to have mm -hmm. great range, great efficiency. Your overall ownership experience is probably going to be incredible with this car, regardless of the design. Sure. I agree. I'm looking very much forward to that. This thing. Genesis says it is called Athletic Elegance. Yeah, design. it does look like a running shoe a bit. <laughs> In that color, yeah. Yikes. <laughs> well, another EV. Well, I can't even call this an EV. I don't know. I just had to throw this in there because I'm a huge oh. Lego enthusiast. <laughs> and we were talking about the Supra. And yes, in Legoland Japan, they have a full 1-1 scale of the GR Supra built out of a half million Lego bricks. We've seen this before with the Bugatti Chiron and a couple other cars in the past. Uh, but I just, I love it when they do this. They, and if you haven't seen it, look at the, it's on YouTube. There's a, almost like a mini documentary of the development of the Lego Bugatti. Um, totally worth your time. And that shows you kind of what they look, what kind of what they do to develop these kind of things. And I don't know. I, I just think this is so cool. It's obviously not. It drives, easy. doesn't it? Yeah. It goes 17 miles. miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't so, know that. Yeah, the the Chiron the Chiron only went twelve miles an hour. So so super is faster than super faster than Chiron. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah, there we go. That's an article that we should write on uh, something we're not going to announce yet. It should yeah. be the Supra is officially faster than the Chiron. Yeah, I'll compare it to the Honda. <laughs> great, great accurate-looking Lego, by the way. These things have so yeah. much texture. Oh, can you go down really quick? You see that Fast and Furious Super right there? Yeah. There's a yeah. guy here in Colorado who owns a replica version of this, and uh, a drunk driver just totally destroyed the car. Ooh. Yep. Ooh. Yep. yep. Mm -hmm. Very sad. Yeah. That's my news of the day. What else we got? We got to wrap up the show. We're kind of hitting our, our time limit here. Yeah, no. One one more thing I wanted to throw in really quick. Um, Kyle owns a van, as most of us know. Uh, van Lab is a company that is basically like building out camper van with pre-made components. So a lot of people, especially in Boulder, kind of where I live, that area, 
there's vans everywhere, like literally in the streets. Kyle brings his van to Boulder and he just I fits blend right in. in. Yeah. Yep. It, blend <laughs> in. And, but so many of those vans, which is a huge variety of vans, they also custom build their interiors. I mean, the guy next to me when I lived in Boulder had a garage. He rented a garage, not a house. He just rented a garage in a series of houses, just a weird sandal garage. And he was building out things in his van all the time. So this company is actually doing like pre-fit, like for certain van types, components that will fit into the van. I thought it was kind of interesting um, because Kyle's van, I mean, came ready to camp in, but a lot of people are buying basically empty Sprinter vans or Nissan vans and just want to like build their own. But as you know, a lot of people kind of phase like fizzle out when they do DIY projects. So this is kind of a way to do a DIY look and it still technically is, but it's all prefab. So what a stellar idea. This is yeah. crazy. I had no idea this existed. This is amazing because some of those high value components that require real craftsmanship, engineering, mounting positions need to be done by a company, but you can't just go to a company that says, can I just buy your sink from Winnebago? You have to like <laughs> buy the whole van. So this is awesome. Uh, I really think we should reach out to them. Maybe we can share some of their stuff. Uh, what, Jordan, you and I are going to, well, I know you're going, I don't know if we'll go together. We're going to at least be at the same show this weekend, which yeah. is Overland Expo West. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's what's called Van Con a Van Expo. Yeah, there's like van a whole van Revel Expo. section. So we're going to meet all the other revelers, owners of our same van. But I also want to uh, see what other people are doing with their vans because my whole goal in this van series is to build a either a plug-in hybrid, but preferably a fully electric off-grid camping solution. Right now, the technology doesn't reach there. Um, I don't think it's really that possible, but I want to immerse myself in this world so we can be the first ones doing this, hopefully a little bit more sustainably, or at least with an interesting flair. Uh, that it's going to be an amazing show. We're going to film a lot of vans. Jordan, you're going to write about it, I think. So lots of yep. photos and stuff. So keep an eye out on that from our side. Yeah, it's got, it's awesome. And yeah, they have the NV200 from Nissan, the Chevy City Express, the Ford Transit. They're working on the Mercedes-Benz Sprinter and I'm sure many others. Like I, I really hope this succeeds because I hope they build out more ideas and more fits for other vans maybe not even the super popular ones um, because i think this would sell really well of course depending on pricing but uh i don't know it's it's really intriguing and i mean kyle you can speak to this van the whole van life concept is a very freeing thought i mean the fact that you can just drive your van across the country to an event and just not worry about hotel accommodations yeah well that's the thing right so it, it's very freeing but it's not very free to buy these vans are stupid money <laughs> yeah, but basically very. Start at a hundred grand for the worst garbage one you can buy. So like a hundred is your ceiling and they go up to close to $300,000 and you're going to end somewhere in the middle. Um, so this hopefully will allow people to buy X FedEx vans used, you know, whatever, and not necessarily need the technical or craftsmanship capability to build out their own. They can do it. Like, I think I would have actually been really attracted to something like this where I could buy a shell and then we could do a series building it out. Like, because I'm not that handy, but I can screw stuff in like, that's cool. I'll do some of the manual labor. Just send me the parts. I'll put it together like an Ikea couch. Great idea. Really is stellar. Yeah. And the kits start around $5,000 apparently. Or that's right, cheap. Oh, right here. I'm on there. That's reasonable. Yeah. Starts at eight grand for a Ford transit long wheelbase. Um, oh, and then of oh course you can you, get the wiring loom too. That's cool. Yeah. They so can, are going to sell a ton of these. This is the new jam. We have to reach out to them. We're going to do a thing. This is awesome. Yeah. I just maxed out this one in particular and it's under 9,000. That's, that's you know phenomenal. how much the conversion was on my van? It's over $130,000 <laughs> aside from the van, just in them converting it. And they gave you carbon fiber. Like they gave me rapid. the word. It's not even a good conversion. Everything's built like <laughs> crap in there. <laughs> yeah. Man, this is so, so much the way so to go. I just, just had to throw that in there before we ended because I appreciate uh, that. We are, we are doing van stuff and I'm very excited about it. I need to take your van, van at some point, Kyle. Is the jam. Other RVs. It. Oh, so cool. So cool. <laughs> right? With work from home being such a big thing now, you know, you pull up to a Starbucks Wi-Fi, you, you sit in your van, you do your day's work, you travel to the next town. It's something I, I would like to try that personally. I would like to. Yeah. Well, you should take our van sometime, Dominic. Come on out and live with it for a little while. Um, Starlink is going to be the game changer. Once we have on. good internet oh, right. on this thing, 
Right. You'll never see me at home. I'd take it on tour. Be, I could, you know, you could do a whole like world tour. Just I mean, visit. That'd be great. Make it happen. State. Let's do it. Use it anytime. Seriously. All right. Well, we are coming up on just over an hour now. I wanted to say thanks for tuning in. Um, we have lots of content out out in spec on our Twitter as well as YouTube. Uh, lots of channels. We're just throwing stuff out there everywhere. Written stuff, which is ramping up now. Um, you can find me at Twitter on at Jordan underscore Schieffer. Of course, we have Dominic from the Inside of East. Thank you, Dominic, for coming on. That's no. Dominic underscore Y on Twitter. Mike is M underscore Breeling. And, of course, Kyle is It's Kyle Connor. So thank you very much for joining us. Um, we had a fun time tonight. And uh, we'll see you in the next one very soon. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.